This is episode 132 with the assistant cross-country and track coach at California Baptist University, co-host of the Up and Running podcast and 252 marathoner, Ms. Abby Stanley. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and what I do here is bring you the brightest minds in the running and fitness industry to help you become a better runner. Yes, you are going to hear from elite runners, but more importantly, you're also going to be surrounded by their support team, the sports psychologists, strength experts, coaches, physical therapists who make it all possible. The goal here is to always be giving you new ideas for elevating your running. Because as I like to say, knowledge is a competitive advantage. If you're new to the show, feel free to browse the other 131 episodes or our website, strengthrunning.com, for more details on strength training for runners, mindset training, injury prevention strategies, coaching programs, and how to optimize your training to always keep improving. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker, a company that helps endurance athletes optimize their training after taking a simple blood test. Figure out if you're over or under training so you can catch these problems early and train more effectively. Use code STRENGTHRUNNING with no space to save 10% on any of their blood testing kits at insidetracker.com. All right, my guest today is Abby Stanley. She's the co-host of the Up and Running podcast and the assistant cross-country and track coach for California Baptist University. And amazingly, she ran 252 in the marathon after running her first in the 320s. What an incredible amount of improvement. But our focus today is not actually on Abby, but on the coaching and training principles that foster long-term development. So if you want to improve not just over the next month or two, but over the next three to five years, this episode will help you do just that. I want you to take note of the big themes in this episode, like consistency, strength training, a focus on the process of training, and having the right expectations for different types of workouts. If you can structure your training well, think productively about your progress and training, and focus on the process, then I know you will thrive as an endurance runner. Of course, if you have any questions or you're just unsure about something that we talked about, just email me. I'm at support at strengthrunning.com. All right, without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Abby Stanley. I told Lauren yes last night, I was like, I really don't know how this, this 5K is going to go because like, I'm just getting back into running as it is. And I was like, if we had had to do the marathon on top of everything else, then I don't know. <laughs> I would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I did not sign up for the marathon. I just can't think of anything more uh, unfun yeah. than running 26.2 <laughs> miles hard by myself. Yeah, if I was around people and I could do it with somebody or somebody could bike with me, maybe I would do it. But just doing it solo didn't sound like fun. So I was like, I'll just stick with the half. Yeah, even the half marathon is going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, honestly, I don't even know where to race a virtual half marathon. Should I just keep it within a one, two mile loop so that I don't have to cross streets or stop for traffic at all? It's it's logistically difficult to plan for something like that, too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because from I was wondering, like, 
where I, where I'm at right now in DC, there's a, I, I can run in the CNO canal. Um, and it's like perfectly flat and it goes for like uh, over a hundred miles. But I was like, for people like Lauren, where she lives in Chino, which is crazy hilly, she needs to do like, yeah, some like one little mile loop around a park or something because otherwise she's going to, like her, her stats are going to be way skewed. Though also I'm like, well, <laughs> you go run the hilly, the hilly course. So your time is a lot slower than <laughs> I'll stick on the flat. Yeah. I'll, I'll be on the downhill course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned, uh, running on the CNO canal. I used to do so many long runs on that same trail. It's just such oh, a great really? venue for nice. those kinds of sessions. Yeah. Cause yeah. they have mile markers. So yeah. it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, my sister, who I'm saying was she, so, um, she lives in point of rocks, Maryland, if you're familiar with like the DC area. So it's like 45 minutes from DC. Um, and I hop on pretty close to, well, I guess the, like the point actually is point of rocks and then i usually run like north towards west virginia but i've run i don't know how many miles on that trail and it never gets old it's definitely my favorite trail yeah it's really pretty and if you're ever closer to dc the rock creek park uh park in the middle of the city is actually really gorgeous uh very different than the cno canal it's it's actually quite hilly but really great place for for long runs and just some easy runs Nice. Yeah, I'll have to. I was actually talking to somebody um, that I knew at Arkansas. Now he's like the graduate assistant at Georgetown, and he was asking me for wrecks around DC. And I was like, really? I only ever run in the CNO, so I actually need wrecks from you to see if I can go run some other place besides just the same route I run every single day. Yeah, I know. And and I think running these virtual races over the next couple of weeks will be really interesting because we're all kind of looking for that good training venue. Um, and there's certain things about racing a virtual race, which is essentially a solo time trial that are so very different than a normal race. And, and I think I'm going to either write a blog post or have a podcast about it soon. Yeah. Um, have you done virtual races before? I haven't. And so this will be my first time like trying to go that hard alone. Uh, no, I've, I've certainly done some time trials and workouts by myself, uh, but probably time trials, I could probably count on one hand that right. I've done all by myself. Yeah. Um, you know, with my, I ran in high school and college and then post collegiately. So I, I really didn't ever have to do anything like that. I usually had either a, a whole team or, or at least one or two guys with me that I could mm-hmm. run with. Yeah, I mean, I've been around college athletes for so long that I'm used to not actually even racing, just like pacing or races. Or if they're like the girls were going to do a time trial, like I'll hop in it with them, but it's usually just to pace. So it'll be interesting just to kind of try the time trial by myself. <laughs> I'm like, I actually told the girls on my team about it, and I was like, uh, I could use some help, but most of them have flown back home. And so it's just going to be solo. I think we're all going to learn a lot over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Abby, your experience with college athletes is one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you on the podcast today, because I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about athletic development for runners. Um, Because, you know, I, I think at the college level, it's interesting because with the freshmen coming in, you have athletes coming in at so many different fitness levels and capabilities. So I thought maybe we could talk about how you deal with some of those differences 
and um, maybe how the focus of training changes based on you know these athletes' fitness levels and what they're capable of and what they're not capable of and how that progresses over time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody comes from high school into college in very different places. You have people coming from high mileage programs. We have a few um, athletes on the team right now that came from Great Oaks, California. And I mean, that program is known for where their high school guys could be running maybe up to like 90 miles a week. And then you have other guys coming from high school where they were lucky if they ever hit like 30. And the same thing with female athletes. Like I have had a lot of girls that were maybe soccer players in high school or um, did multiple sports. And so they just haven't been at a lot of mileage and maybe their coach didn't really know how to develop them. So they're coming in pretty raw. And then you have other girls, um, especially where I'm coaching now at California Baptist University, where they are really experienced athletes and they're coming from international countries where they've already raced on the international level and they've raced at, you know, Eurocross championships and U20 championships. And that's a whole lot different than somebody coming from a pretty low mileage program in high school here in the United States. So I think the thing to recognize when they're coming in, at least this is what, um, us coaches usually try to do in the beginning is just get a good framework of what they have done in the past. And we are definitely just try to keep training pretty simple. Um, I think that it, no matter what your training was like in high school, coming from high school into college, it's going to be a big adjustment life-wise, mentally, physically, everything changes so fast that it's kind of important to not just throw like this crazy hard <laughs> regimen on them all at once. So that's something um, I'm definitely still learning as a pretty young coach is to not, okay, like I'm, I have like this great idea in mind and this great plan um, of like where I want you to go. But first I, I like to just take a step back and see, okay, what have you been doing? Where are you, where are you right now? like injury history, what did you do over the past couple summers? What has your progression been like? Have you ever gotten injured at higher mileage? Looking at the reasons why for that and then kind of going from there. Wow, I love that. And and I I love that you really focus on what the athlete has done in the past and where they are right now instead of say the fact that they want to run a fast 10k, you know, cuz I right. I deal with a lot of adult runners who you know, want a, a sub 40 minute 10 K plan. And I always have to kind of stop and ask, well, that plan that I write for that goal could be wildly inappropriate for you. It could be way too easy. It could be way too hard. It really depends on what you have been doing in the past. And so, uh, I'm glad that you take that approach of basically starting from where you are now and then progressing from there. Um, and, and I think listening to you talk about kind of the onboarding process with new athletes that come into the program, it seems like two of the major things that uh, are in adjustment when you start running in, in college is number one, race experience. You know, are you coming from a soccer background with no race experience or are you racing internationally and, and participating in these really big meets and big races? And the other thing 
uh, that I'm noticing is mileage. And and for me personally, this is the thing that really struck me when I transitioned from high school to college running is the fact that I started running almost double the amount that I did in high school. And, and that was certainly a big transition. So are those the two big things that that sort of you start working on with new athletes as they come into the program? Or are there other kind of areas of development that need to be worked on as well? No, absolutely. I would definitely say those two areas are the biggest things that we're looking at. Um, in, especially with new athletes and freshmen, you want to take the big picture goal. I want them to run. Yes, I want them to run fast, maybe their freshman year, but I also don't have any expectations because I know what a how hard it is to jump from, okay, you were living maybe even in a different country, a different state, all of a sudden, you know, your whole world changes. You have totally new training teammates. You want to prove yourself. Um, you want to, you know, please your coaches. And so when our athletes come in, we really, it was something I really like that we get to do at CBU right now um, is just let them know that their freshman year is we just want to see something from them that is just like a positive step in their training. It doesn't have, they don't have to be in our top five in cross country or they don't have to run, you know, 33 mid for a girl in a 10 K if they're not used to that whatsoever. And if their racing background hasn't been setting them up well for good racing in college, then sometimes their freshman year can also be about doing undoing some bad habits or bad expectations or ways that they've managed stress in the past to help them be that much more confident of an athlete and to hit their goals. And it doesn't necessarily all have to be in one year, especially like their freshman year. Like I like the idea of when they come in, just taking that burden off of them and saying, look, we have four years to develop you. So let's just be really smart. Let's learn what the appropriate effort should be at race effort. Let's see how your body adapts to mileage. Maybe um, like we had one girl last semester, she was from Iceland and she just couldn't handle the mileage that some of the other girls could handle. So she did all of her doubles in the pool and then she cross-trained really hard on the bike. So she more than made up for it aerobically, but she just wasn't doing like the ground mileage. So uh, absolutely. I think that really the two important things for people transitioning out of high school and even in looking at a college is asking the coach, okay, how are you going to transition me? And am I expected to hit certain things my freshman year? And how is that whole process going to look like? It really seems to me that the focus freshman year for your athletes is really just a focus on the process of training. You know, let's develop some good habits. Let's do the best we can in training on a day by day basis. And we can worry about the results later. The results will come if we focus on the training, if we do the right thing, the smart thing day after day after day. And I think that focus on the process is a long-term focus. It's a long-term perspective on their training. And in my mind, that's the only way to think about a freshman athlete, whether they're in high school or, or even whether they're in college or whether you're 42 years old and you just started running yesterday, focus on the process because that will make the results and the performances that you really want so much easier to attain. Now, 
Uh, Abby, you mentioned some mistakes or bad habits that you might have to unlearn. I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. What are some of those either bad expectations or training mistakes or bad habits that runners have that you think you know, should be worked out of their system and kind of, um, you know, ironed out so that they have good habits. Yeah, absolutely. The two things that I've really seen in college athletes and just athletes in general, I'd say in most runners is, and you've probably heard this a lot too, is not having the appropriate emphasis on every day and your weeks end up just all kind of being semi-hard run together instead of having easy days and then having hard days. And then the other big factor when it comes to racing is not really knowing what race effort should feel like. Um, so last year I was working at the university of Arkansas and coach Lance Harder would tell girls, he was like, you know, before you can run a 16 minute 5k, you need to be able to run a 17 minute 5k. And it was that idea of like, yes, you need to be mentally tough in races, but also you just can't go out there and expect to, have this completely unrealistic goal of like, I'm going to jump to 16 minute 5k when my PR is 1730 or something. Um, unless your training has been really, really good. (laughs) Um, and so I think those two things often trip runners up a lot because they'll get nervous on easy days that they're not putting in enough work. And then they're too tired on the days where they need to run hard to actually put in the hard work. Um, so if there's any tip I could give to any runners, it's writing down your training and what that effort level felt like that day. And either using like heart rate training or even just, you know, your regular paces and making sure maybe running watch lists on your easy day. So you can just really, truly go by feel. And then on your hard days, really getting after it, but making sure that you're not ever going into that overtraining zone, because I think that kiboshes dreams faster than anything else. Yeah, I think you're completely right on that. And and the not taking the easy days easy enough was definitely something that I think when I was a college athlete, when I was around a bunch of other 20-year-old hormonal guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. that it's hard to slow down on an easy day, especially when you're jostling for the top seven, you want to prove yourself, you want to show the team that you had a good summer of base building. Uh, and so that can be really challenging. Um, you know, Abby, I'd also love to talk more about, you know, some of the workouts, um, that might be different for freshmen who don't have as much experience or who can't handle say a a really long workout versus some of the workouts that you might have some of your seniors do. How does the, how does workouts progress through the years for different athletes of various abilities? That's a good question. So uh, thankfully, we get to start off with our freshmen during cross-country season, season, which I feel is like the perfect place to introduce them to kind of collegiate workouts and what we're expecting. So they get to be around, like we were talking before, of good habits, older seasoned athletes that bring a lot of confidence to a workout and even bring a lot of confidence on easy days that they can go really easy and they don't have anything to prove. And that really just helps settle our freshmen down. And then when it comes to the actual workouts, um, especially since it's during cross country, we do just a lot of like long repeats and fartleks. So um, the older athletes will definitely do a lot more volume versus our freshmen. Maybe right now they can only handle 
a 4K tempo as opposed to the full 6K tempo. Or for our guys, maybe they're just going 8 instead of a 10K tempo or something. Um, So for our freshmen, usually we're bumping the volume of the workout off a little bit. And that just allows them to complete a workout feeling confident and just learning the whole ropes of the system um, as opposed to just getting buried in workouts if we were trying to make them run the same thing. Somebody who's three or four years older than them and has that much more experience of workouts on their legs and everything, um, we want our athletes to succeed. Like, I don't mind if they have bad workouts sometimes, but I don't want to give them a workout that's so unachievable that halfway through, you know, like they're, they're already completely dead. Um, I would rather give them shorter workouts on those hard workout days. And then something else that we kind of incorporate, um, that I really have seen work well with the freshmen and well, basically any year is Mondays. We will normally do like a pretty, it's not quite a tempo. I'd call it more of like a steady state effort. And our freshmen, we just tell them, just go with the group. And so they just get to go with the the older people on the team. And it's not necessarily to prove how long they can last up there with the group, but just to kind of get that experience, okay, of like I'm almost touching the fire, but I'm not quite in it. So again, they won't go as many miles. Uh, maybe the older girls will go like 10 miles and some of the freshmen will only go like five or six. And But on the way out, they're running they're running pretty quick for three or four miles. And that kind of just helps them get used to it. But they also don't have that expectation where I, okay, now I have to go run 10 miles at six O pace or something. I think one of the challenges with starting to run in college is that compared to high school programs, most college programs, and I'm using that, you know, I went to a college, but you know, university, (laughs) whatever, higher education, they're much more structured than the training that a high school athlete might do, um, partly because you know it's more competitive, but also because I think the schedule of races is a little bit more spread out, and so you can really focus on the training as opposed to high school, where you know we might have two dual meets a week, uh, one on a Wednesday night and then another on a Saturday. So you know the workouts that you can do in that kind of a schedule are, um, you know changed. You have to do different workouts because of that schedule. Um, and, and I think what you guys are doing with the athletes by bringing them in, reducing expectations, reducing some of the workload that's expected of them and really having them focus on the process of training is so smart because, you know, the difference between like a 17 or 18, usually an 18 year old, athlete and a 22 year old athlete can be very different, not just an experience, but also just maturity and overall development. Um, and so I think that's really important. Uh, do you ever limit the types of races that freshmen can run? And, and I guess I'm thinking more specifically about, you know, what, uh, would a freshman run a 10 K on the track or a steeplechase, or is that something that you typically reserve for more, uh, either advanced athletes or more developed athletes? So we're a pretty long distance focused program currently. Um, In general, personally, I would say no, not having freshmen race the 10K quite yet, unless it was just more of a workout simulation or just to kind of like, okay, run six or 8K of the 10K type idea. Um, I think the 10K 
people, no matter how fit you are still as a freshman, it can feel a little overwhelming. And so generally we try to keep our athletes running five and lower. Um, maybe they'll hop in one, but from what I've seen, that's still pretty unusual unless somebody is coming from like, okay, like they've been running in high school, they've been running the high mileage weeks and they just don't have the wheels necessarily for the 15 or 3k steeple and even in that instance where we know that they're more 10k oriented it doesn't mean that they're going to run five 10ks you know in one track season they're probably going to run one or two maybe if they're going to run it at conference and the rest of the time they are going to be focusing on the 5k or they'll hop in a 1500 and um, I think variety is important especially when it comes to the track season for people and like we were saying before with freshmen, we definitely don't want to burn them out. There's there's no point to trying to get somebody's best 10K out of them their freshman year. I like that. That's a such a long-term perspective and it tracks closely with what I did in college. Um, credit to our coaches and, and you guys as coaches. I think that's uh, a really smart thing to do. And kind of the general theme of what I'm hearing right now is even for runners who, you know, it might be their first, second, third, or even fifth year of running, the progression that you have them on is pretty slow. And it, it focuses on long-term development rather than on just getting fit really quickly and popping off a good race. And, you know, I'm trying to think about the parallels between training and racing at the university level and training and racing as an adult athlete in the real world. Uh, I know that there's not many races right now, but you know, our listeners are adult runners. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, I am always trying to talk about and emphasize is a focus on long-term development rather than on, you know, how fast can I get in shape in the next eight weeks? Cause that usually forces you to take a lot of shortcuts and it's just not the best approach if you want to have a long running career. And if you want to stay healthy in particular, um, so Abby, could we take part of what we just talked about and apply it to the adult runner who didn't compete in high school or college? What might you say, what kind of advice might you give to someone who, you know, maybe just started running or they only have a year or two of experience? What aspects of their training should they prioritize so that they can focus on long-term development? Even myself, I mean, that's like the perfect question because I didn't really start racing. I went to a really small, I didn't, wasn't able to race in high school. Um, and I didn't really get into running until I was in college. And my first race ever was a marathon, which I was not prepared at all to race. Um, and then my college finally went NAIA the following year. So I got one cross country season in and then one track season in before I ended up and then I ended up using another year of eligibility during grad school. So I've really only been running maybe seven years. So I even consider myself still a fairly young runner in just in terms of how many years I've been logging mileage. And for anybody who's just starting or didn't didn't have that competitive high school or collegiate background, um, I think what we were talking about earlier of developing good habits is super important. And the other focus I would have is kind of just like time on feet and trying to gradually improve how many miles you can handle. 
And I think the difference, obviously, between college and post-college is post-college, you're juggling a family and work and so many other things that maybe you don't have the time um, and luxury that a collegiate athlete will of, okay, we know we're going to have practice at seven and I have plenty of time to go to practice and I have plenty of time to stretch. I have plenty of time to go eat versus your post-collegiate runner has to do all of those things in a much more narrow window. Um, so I would say figuring out the amount of time you do have and just incorporating things as you can. Um, it doesn't necessarily, let's say you want to incorporate like mini bands or strength work, which I know you talk about a lot. It doesn't mean that you have to do like collegiate athletes. We probably lift, you know, maybe three times a week. Um, or, you know, two pretty good sessions. Well, maybe you only have time for three 10-minute sessions. Doing something, I think, as a post-collegiate athlete is better than doing nothing. And that would be kind of my big suggestion and things that I've seen with um, kind of your adult-type runners where they'll just kind of, like, pop out the door and start running. And I would like people to develop those good habits. Okay, like I have a pre-run routine um, where I'm getting in a good dynamic warm-up, and then I'm kind of just spending a little bit more time on my feet as I can and gradually increasing my mileage um, as opposed to just like, okay, I have to run every week. I just run 30 miles and that's it. Trying to gradually bump that up would be ideal for getting faster and then just adding in um, all like other elements as you can, especially – recovery is the number one thing I would emphasize that, you know, like we talked about your easy days being easy and then other recovery things, nutrition, rolling, sleeping, I think is a big one. Um, and I know that's kind of, can also go out the window for adult windows, uh, adult runners. If they have kids that are getting up during the night or they have to wake up early to get their run in, uh, making sure that you are getting good quality sleep as you can and kind of just prioritizing. So I think that, prioritizing the same you can prioritize the same things collegiate runners do which you know we preach to them all the time nutrition sleep and then recovery um because you want to be able to get the most out of the work you are able to do and if you can't if you're not you know if you don't have any emphasis on recovery at all then it's going to be a lot harder to see any gains from your running My college cross-country coach used to tell us that we can't burn the candle at both ends. And we were definitely burning the candle (laughs) from the training side of things, working really hard, the high mileage, the workouts, the races. And then what he meant by that was that you can't just turn around and go out partying two or three nights a week. You can't stay up late and miss sleep and do all the things that one normally associates with college and still be a really good runner. It has to be a lifestyle. And what you do the other 22, 23 hours a day that you're not at practice is just as important as what happens at practice. And that is kind of a a rule or a principle that I have taken to heart through my own post-collegiate training and even my coaching is really emphasizing stress reduction and sleep and taking care of yourself and proper pacing on your recovery runs and even your hard days so that you're getting as much out of your training without being you know unduly fatigued or sore from all of the hard work that you're doing i think that's you know really important to establish those habits early because then you'll almost do them on autopilot once you get used to those habits you know it's it's not going to be something that's difficult to adhere to 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think just adding things in slowly, like we always hear, okay, like, what does it take to be an elite runner? And I think kind of recognizing, well, you know, maybe you're trying to do things similar to an elite runner, but it's not like you're getting, you know, like I'm not getting paid to go run and I'm not an elite runner. So I don't have the luxury of all the time, maybe. Well, now I do. Um, we all currently have time, right? Um, but during normal times, we don't. And I think basically just trying to take those similar habits and adapting them to your lifestyle is a really important focus for adult runners. One of the things that I try to do that I think is really helpful for adult runners is basically take the training that you might do either you know, at a good university program or even as an elite runner and model the same principles, the same general structure or, or pattern of things for that adult recreational runner. You know, I, you know, I have three kids, I'm not running the 90 miles a week like I used to, but at the same time, I'm still doing a lot of the same things that we did in college. You know, I'm warming up before my run. I'm doing strength training. I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing a long run and a workout and strides, but everything's really scaled back to, you know, a very manageable level for me. And I think that kind of approach is really great for, you know, maintaining kind of a holistic fitness level where you're not just running slow all the time. You're not just hammering yourself with speed work all the time. You're doing the training that runners ought to be doing for improvement. You're just doing it at a level that's appropriate for you. And that's one of the things I love about running. You can scale it up, scale it down. You know, an elite runner can go run a long run. Someone who's been running for four weeks can go run a long run. Those long runs will look very different, but the principle is the same. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Now, do you ever, uh, you know, I know how you guys often limit the types of races that freshmen are going to run. You know, maybe uh, only in rare cases might a freshman race a 10K on the track or a 3,000 meter steeplechase event. Do you think the same principle holds true for adult runners who are just getting into running? And, you know, maybe you have a a unique perspective on this because (laughs) your first race was a marathon. So how do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, generally I would definitely say don't sign up for a marathon if you've never, you know, if you don't run at all, then that's probably not going to be a very pleasant experience. But if you're kind of getting into running and you want to set some goals, I think the 5k is a really good place to start. It's a place where the training load would be really manageable and you'd see a lot of improvement fairly quickly. And then as you're building mileage and as you're getting more confidence um, and you're able to accomplish workouts, I think moving to some longer races on the road can be really fun. Um, And I think like we were talking about variety, I think it's even important for if, okay, let's say you've been running, you consider yourself a marathoner, which the marathon is by far my favorite race to run. But I also know that I need to run some 5Ks, some 10Ks, um, a couple half marathons. I think you, I mean, obviously you can't just run marathons all the time and adding in some other race distances will make you more flexible and make you stronger um, and faster so that your main event gets better overall versus just trying to kind of hammer one thing all the time. So I think, I think switching it up and kind of training for different things at different times is a good idea. And it also kind of just keeps the joy of running there as opposed to like 
you know, I think that sometimes we can even get into the habit of, you know, boxing ourselves in as like, okay, I'm a 5k runner, I'm a 10k runner or something. And then that doesn't really allow room for growth in other areas. Um, so I think just like taking a step back and considering like, okay, maybe I, I can run a different race and getting excited about like a different training program where you have more like 10k or half marathon work incorporated in things. And who knows, maybe that'll become your new favorite distance. You know, so many adult runners have problems focusing on shorter distance events because, you know, I understand this too. You know, you, you train for three or four months and then you go run a 5k and you're done in 20 minutes and you're like, did I really <laughs> spend all that time preparing for a 20 minute race? You know, I wanted to savor it more. I wanted a bigger challenge. What do you have to say to these runners who have trouble with the mid-distance events? You know, they, they only get excited for the half marathon and the marathon. Yeah, I definitely can see where they're coming from. Um, you know, I've shared a little about my story and I would consider myself like, I, I just know that I'm better at the long distances than I am at short distances, but I know that I can't play just to my strengths all the time and that dropping down and doing a different event is important to help me become a better marathoner. And so I'd say for people that just kind of have like a, maybe a mental block when they view like a 5k or 10k or like other shorter road distances, um, is especially for longer distance people. I think it's important to take a break every once in a while. Let's say maybe like once a year in your whole like marathon training block plan and focusing on shorter things because that's really is going to help your long distance race and then as far as viewing it more as a challenge um you get to do a a lot different workouts when you're training for a 5k and 10k and they're usually harder and a lot faster but i think practicing those weaknesses you can learn a lot about yourself and when you get to finally race a new 5k PR, a new 10k PR, um, the feeling of satisfaction that you have when you run a new marathon PR is just the same. Plus you can recover a lot faster from 5k's and 10k's so you can add more into your season. So if you're looking into, if you're planning like a season of racing, um, you don't have to just train for one, you probably could put like, okay, I'm going to, you know, race one. And then two weeks later, I'm going to come back and race it again. And then three weeks after that, I'm going to run a 10 K and that can really change up your season. And you probably would surprise yourself if you kind of added a couple shorter distance races into your overall season. Yeah. I love when runners focus on the shorter distance events. And the, one of the ways that I think about it is, you know, let's say you really are interested in the marathon. You want to get a Boston qualifier. You want to break three. You want to break four, whatever the goal might be. Racing shorter distances basically extends or broadens the available speed that you have available to you. And so if you can get a lot faster in the mile, two mile, you know, 3K, 5K, 10K, those shorter events, it's going to make your old marathon PR pace feel so much easier. And, you know, I had experience with this as a college runner where, you know, you spend all of track focusing on events much shorter than what you do during cross country. And so I was racing things like the 800, the 1500, the 3000 meter event in indoor track and the 5k. 
And then you come back and race cross country and you just improve so substantially because you are so used to running so much faster. And the times that you run in the shorter events are, you know, equivalently better than your old PR in the longer event. And, and it becomes much easier to keep improving. And so I think it's just an, uh, a no brainer kind of a way to improve and it keeps things fresh and interesting. And, and I think working on speed and power, things that you don't typically do when you're training for a marathon, um, really transfer very well to marathon training later on when you come back to it. And I think, you know, for any runner who's worried about losing their endurance or losing their fitness, if, if they're not doing, you know, marathon training, I don't even know if that's a valid concern. You know, if you do a decent long run, running fitness is running fitness. You're not going to lose anything. And if you're improving, then that's really the goal. The goal is improvement. If you're improving in the 5k or the mile, then that's, you know, it stands that you're probably going to improve in the marathon as well. Cause that's the general trend in your fitness level. 100%. And, you know, I, I do think that runners, they will get into, you know, that block of what we were saying that, oh, I don't want to race any of those shorter distances when, if you actually just try it, you, I think that they would surprise themselves. Um, I know that I have in the past where I'm like, oh no, like I'd rather just like keep training for the marathon. Cause I like the long runs and everything. But then, um, especially when I'm coaching like college age athletes and I, my marathon significantly improved when I didn't race any marathon for like three years when I was in grad school, I was just jumping in workouts. I was coaching girls and I was doing all 5k, 10k training. And then last spring I ran 252 at Eugene not even really expecting it. Just kind of went out and to see if I could beat my old, like three, I think I'd run like 320 something before. So I shaved like 30 minutes off and that was pretty much from just doing 5k, 10k training. And then I did like a marathon specific block, but I would highly recommend that for anybody. If you're kind of running into a wall with the marathon, or even if you're not just making sure that you are incorporating different race intensities, race effort intensities throughout your season. Abby, you went from 320 something to 252. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was all from like 10k. Like I know even in college I was always known as like the long tempo girl, so I knew that I was kind of destined to be a marathoner, but um yeah, I folk I when I was at I was, got my graduate degree from Liberty University in Virginia and I was a graduate assistant there and I would just always hop in the girls workouts. Um and then last year when I was working at University of Arkansas, I started training. I just started going out for longer and longer runs. And then I asked my coach, Hey, like, I think I kind of want to do a marathon. And then we did like a 12 week block before the marathon. And then on race day, I felt amazing and ended up running a big PR. Well, there you go. Yeah. I think that is quite the testimonial for focusing on short distance yeah. events before the marathon. <laughs> Look at that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the way I think about it too, is the faster you get in the short stuff, the better your marathon is going to be. You know, I had a lot of people ask me, oh, how do you run your first marathon in the time that you did? It's like, well, that's kind of the time that I was expecting to run based on all the other performances that I had turned in over the last, you know, eight, nine, 10 years of my running career. And so, you know, as long as you're posting 
competitive times, no matter the event, if you do the training for the marathon, mm-hmm. you'll thrive. Yeah. And like you said, fitness is fitness. And I, um, another thing that, you know, I didn't even really talk about was just the injury side of things. I think it's important for runners to develop that speed and power and to work on good mechanics. Like you have to have good mechanics if you're running quickly. And that 100% translates over to marathon training where a lot of times you'll get pretty sloppy with your form because you are just running a lot more mileage and you're probably running it slowly versus taking a block to focus on speed and power mechanics wise, efficiency wise, all of that alone is going to translate so well over to the marathon. I think I just pulled a muscle in my neck because I'm nodding so vigorously <laughs> over here. You know, I will very frequently talk to runners who ask me, you know, can you look at my form? I don't really do this kind of thing, but you know, they, they have this shuffling form. And then I, I ask them about their training and they're like the two to three marathon a year kind of person. And, and I just cannot agree so strongly that speed work, focusing on faster training and doing those kinds of workouts, those kinds of races really reinforces good form. And, you know, if you, you want to see a great marathoner, uh, at the elite level, almost always they came from a track background where they worked on their mechanics first. Uh, the speed work reinforces those really good mechanics, and then they're able to hold those good mechanics over the course of 26.2 miles, which helps them race faster. And if you don't have that speed background, the power background, you, you, the mechanics just aren't really there yet. And so I love to see adult runners not just take time away from the marathon, but even when they are training for the marathon, you know, let's do strides regularly. Let's not move away from any kind of faster running. Let's always keep that in the program, but it's just not necessarily a focus when they're training for the marathon. Right. Yeah. I don't think I would necessarily, if I was running a marathon training program for somebody, I don't know if I would label it. Okay. Like today you're going to work on necessarily speed work, but definitely sprinkling it in there and it's still in the background. I'd never want to neglect it completely. I think it's also very interesting that, you know, you mentioned injury prevention and how one of the ways to stay healthy and prevent injuries is to have good mechanics. And you get that by doing speed work and faster training, which is also an injury risk. So there's definitely a balance there between the two. And, you know, what what are your thoughts on some other injury prevention measures? Uh, What are some things that runners can incorporate in their training to help them stay healthy, to better structure their running, to kind of prevent injuries, you know, before doing any specific prevention work, like, you know, sitting in a nice bath or being on the foam roller. I think before that, we really need to focus on the training itself. But, you know, what are the things that you think are really integral to staying healthy in the long term? Definitely getting in some good type of strength work a few times a week. I think a lot of times people will say like, okay, make sure you do all the little things and the list like strength training and foam rolling. Like they're kind of like the same thing. And in my mind, I'm always shouting, no, no, no. Like uh, strength training is part of the big things in your train training program. And something I've seen that works really well with all athletes Um is just like we talk about consistency in your mileage and consistency in running. And that is absolutely consistency with gym. I don't want to label it necessarily like gym type. Well, I guess I'll categorize it as gym type work. But what I mean by that is getting in some, 
work where you're not using the exact same muscles that you're using in running or if you're running with bad mechanics trying to strengthen maybe it's your hips or your knees or your ankles or your toes um and making sure that you're doing enough exercises every week and lifting some heavy weights consistently and that's definitely going to lead to you being able to have more power and speed you know what we talked about when you are adding in power and speed there the kind of the risk of injury goes up because it's just that much more force on the ground and if you're doing regular strength training then you're going to be able to run faster and your muscles and bones are going to be able to actually handle that load so I think just thinking about it consistently like um something I'll tell my athletes is you know and maybe this thought just popped in my mind I think a lot of times runners think like well I'm I'm good at running And I don't, it's kind of like the fear of the unknown um, of like, I don't really know like what to do. And to that end, I would just say like, there are so many different exercises available to us and videos that show exactly what you can do. Like you could probably just search strength training for runners in YouTube. And I don't know how many videos would come up. And if you just did one of those videos two or three times a week, you'd be surprised at how much more injury resistant your body would become um, and that it reinforces those good mechanics that we want to see. Right. A little bit of prevention really does go a long way. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of known as the coach that really emphasizes strength training in runners training. You know, you, you were saying it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's not a little thing. You know, it's funny. I, I often say that I don't consider strength training cross training. It's just part of the training that runners have to do (laughs) to stay healthy and prioritize their performance. So I I think we covered some of the big injury prevention pillars today, things like be process oriented, run your recovery runs at a truly easy pace, get in that strength training and really progress with a focus on the long term. And if you can and that's so much harder to do than what, how we're kind of just, oh, just be process oriented. It's really hard. But if you can internalize that and really make those changes in your training so that you're not rushing things, you're not running three races a week, you know, you're really focusing on the process of training and you're doing some good strength work, you know, I, I think we can really reduce that astronomically high injury rate that is so prevalent among runners in the sport. Yeah. You know, the good thing about runners is we're stubborn. And the bad thing about runners is we're stubborn. And I think a lot of times people want to see that quick improvement or they're used to doing things a certain way and they're scared. Okay. Like what if I back down on my easy days? Am I all of a sudden going to become slow? Or if I do strength training, am I going to get too bulky or whatever? And I think not being stubborn in things that you haven't really tried before is important and um, just giving things a try and actually being consistent with them is probably one of the best things you can do for your overall training. Yeah. And I always have to laugh at when runners are like, oh, but if I slow down my easy runs, I'm going to get really slow. It's like, well, first of all, no, you're not. But (laughs) I don't think your body really knows the difference. Like if you're running, say, five miles at eight-minute mile pace, so you typically run your five-mile easy days in about 40 minutes, and you were to slow down to 8.30 pace, that's going to feel substantially slower. Now, you're going to spend an extra two and a half minutes running, 
but your body doesn't really know that you're, you're not at a performance pace where the difference between 550 a mile and six minutes a mile is huge. You're at a recovery pace. Your body barely knows the difference, but the stress on your muscles and the slightly lower heart rate that will help with recovery in the long term. And I think it just adds so much less stress uh, to the body that it really helps with recovery. And it's important to note that, you know, when we do a long run or a workout, we're looking for stress. We want to be stressed. But when we do a recovery run, we 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 don't want that much stress. We really want to mitigate that training effect and, and really help us absorb all the hard work that we just did and then get ready for the hard work that's to come. So, you know, I, I don't think we have to worry about that whatsoever. And it's not even something that I consider, um, you know, impactful on your performances. You know, your easy running pace is just not really too important in my mind. Definitely. Yeah. If somebody slows down their easy runs, uh, I can pretty much guarantee they're not going to get slower overall just because of doing that specific thing. Counterintuitive, but it's true. (laughs) Abby, tell us about your podcast. So I have a podcast with Lauren Florice. Um, We both live in Southern California, and that's how we met. She was previously the um, assistant coach at Cal Baptist, and then after her second baby was born, she left, and that made me the assistant coach. So we always kind of laughed that I took her job. Um, but it was all friendly. And then we were already friends before I had moved out to Southern California. And after I moved there, we started training together and she started her podcast called Up and Running last summer. And then I was kind of like a guest co-host a few times last fall. And then I officially started in December. And really as a podcast, we cover a lot of different topics. Um, Usually we have a lot of time spent around just the running news in general and what's going on in the sport. And we kind of try to just give a wrap up to everybody. Um, If they don't have time, you know, to be obsessively going on let's run and flow track and Twitter all the time, we want to be a good source where people can just listen to running news. And then we also bring on guests every once in a while, usually every other Friday, our normal podcast drops on Tuesday. So one actually just dropped this morning. Um, and we did, we've done, um, a couple different trial, um, I guess I'll call them like interview series. Like we did one for the leading into the Olympic trials with 10 different contenders. And that was really fun. We got to talk to a lot of interesting people and then we were going to do one for the track trials, but obviously that's all kind of up in the air right now. Exactly what's going to happen with the Olympics being pushed back and everything. But yeah, our podcast kind of tries to include both, you know, good human interest stories and then also the new side of things. So that's kind of a summary. And up and running is, I assume, available wherever podcasts can be found. Yep. Um, We're on Spotify, Apple. Those are the two places I normally listen, but I think that we're on like a few other ones that you're, um, as well. And then we're on Instagram at up and running. And then we also have a website called up and running.co. Wonderful. Well, I hope folks check it out. It sounds like you guys are doing a great job keeping runners informed of what's going on in the broader running community. Uh, Abby, you're also my teammate for this virtual race series that the rambling runner, um, podcast has set up and I'm excited. We have our first 5k coming up this weekend And then I think the following week might be the 10K. So 
I hope you're you're mentally gearing <laughs> up for <laughs> for these solo time trials. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun, and you know, it's definitely lit a fire under me the past few weeks. I'm like, okay, now I can't stop. I I have to stop just saying like, oh, I guess I'll get in shape later this summer or something. Like, I actually need to start running a little bit more and maybe doing a workout here and there. So. It's been good motivation for me. And even if you're not in great shape right now, I hope that people come and join us. Absolutely. All right, Avi, it was so great to chat with you in real time. And uh, I can't wait to be on your race team this weekend. Same here. Thanks, Jason. And there we have it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if so, an honest review on Apple Music is incredibly appreciated. As always, you can find show notes, links to books, resources, training programs, videos, and more that we discussed on the show at strengthrunning.com. I also want to thank Inside Tracker for sponsoring today's show. They're a health analytics company that tests for over 40 different blood biomarkers. And based on your physiology, they offer you custom solutions to help you optimize any areas that might be outside of what your personal zones might be. So if you're training for a difficult race, maybe you want to ramp up your recovery because you haven't been feeling very good, or you're just a passionate running geek like me who's always looking for more ways to improve, you can get 10% off any test that they offer at insidetracker.com with code STRENGTHRUNNING at checkout. It's not case sensitive, and it can be used for any tier that they offer from the affordable do-it-yourself kit to the ultimate package. Just use code STRENGTHRUNNING to claim your 10% savings at Inside Tracker. Just don't do what I did and get a bunch of blood drawn in the morning only to go summon a mountain at altitude an hour later. Some lessons just have to be learned the hard way. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. And as always, if you have any feedback or questions, don't hesitate to reach out. My email is support at strengthrunning.com. And I'm always here to help. Talk to you soon. 